Thank you once again for tuning in. The topic for our discussion today involves the biggest paradox of Christianity. If Christianity truly follows the Christ, the Lord Yahshua of Nazareth, and He is the biggest role model of love and of being non-judgmental and non-condemning, then why is it that Christianity is very judgmental? Here's our lesson objectives. First is to learn the mindset of the Christ of being non-judgmental and non-condemning and be trained to be like Him. And second is to understand how Christianity has remained to be judgmental like the Pharisees in the time of the Savior and be removed from this hypocritical mark or imprint. We will continue with our studies when we return. Are you ready for the truth? For over 2,000 years, the message of the Christ Yeshua has been twisted, altered, and tailored to fit the different messengers from different time frames. That will stop today. Here's your disciple friend. He'll meticulously deliver to you the Lord's evangelical truth. Welcome back to our study. Here's how judgmental Christianity has become. For example, my former church would expel you for drinking wine. Yes, they will first give you a warning to stop drinking wine. But if you continue to do so, then they will delist you from the registry. Then you are supposed to be pitiful. You know why? Because you lost your chance of salvation. As they also teach that outside of their organization, one cannot receive the grace of salvation. But do you know why it is so funny and hypocritical? The Lord's first act of miracle, as recorded in the gospel book, is that of making wine. Not just wine, but high quality wine. Just read the second chapter of John. It will tell you the story of the wedding at Cana, wherein the Lord turned water into high quality wine. Well, the Lord even compared His teachings to the new wine that He desired for all to receive. You can read that in Matthew 9 in verse 17. The sad fact is, this practice of judging or condemning among some major churches have been utilized by them in instilling fear and in intimidating the congregants who fear to be expelled or be delisted from their church's registry. This is an act that is very common, especially from among the cults who claim exclusivity on spiritual benefits and salvation. Now, how did Christianity develop into being a judgmental religion? And why do we say that they differ from the mindset of the Christ, Yahshua, the Savior of the world? First off, what is the mindset? and character of Yahshua, the Savior of mankind. And how does He want all of, his, all of His followers to be? As His followers and believers, we know very well that He is the epitome of love in such that He even wants us to love our enemies. But how did He remain to be loved when He was surrounded with sinners? He possessed a non-judgmental and non-condemning mindset towards others. The fact that the Savior possessed a non-judgmental non outlook is very well recorded in the Gospel. 
the eighth chapter of John tells a story about a woman who was caught in adultery. And based on the law of Moses, she should be stoned to her death outside of the city gates. Now to test the integrity of the Lord's teaching on love and non-condemning, as well as to test his outlook on the commandments, what did the Pharisees do? They brought her to him and left him to judge the woman. Now can you just imagine how this would turn out in our church culture of today? I can only imagine hearing even the softest whispers among the gossipers in the congregation. And why is that? Because of the judgmental culture of Christianity, which is directly or indirectly encouraged in most churches. Now, how about the Christ? How did he respond to the test of the scribes and all the judgmental people in the audience? If you're going to read a chapter in John, the eighth chapter, the Lord was just calm. He just stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear them. But how did he respond when they did not stop from asking him what he would do? Well, he approved anyone who has not sinned to go ahead and judge and go ahead and throw the first stone at the woman. In the end, was the woman stoned to death? No, because those who were around came to realize that none of them has the right to judge no matter how much of a sinner the woman could be. She was saved by the non-judgmental Yahshua, the Lord and Savior. Now how blessed are we that this event was very well documented? We should feel blessed now that we are relieved of the stress of going around and judging others, right? But are we really? Why do we still hear the words expel, excommunicate, discipline from among different church groups? Do they still not understand the teaching of the Savior to live <clears throat> a non-judgmental and a non-condemning life? Don't they know that the Lord not only lived a non-judgmental way of life, but that he wanted all of his followers to live the same way. But why is Christianity so judgmental? The reason why Christianity is so judgmental is because they have the wrong understanding of sin. Their understanding of sin is based on the old paradigm. Which is that? Sin for them is a transgression of the commandments. In short, one's wrongful acts or deeds. And so, for as long as one is supposedly able to control him or herself, then supposedly it gives him the empowerment that he or she did not sin. That would surely make him feel better in comparison with those who committed the actual bad deeds, would it not? And isn't this false feeling of empowerment in most times makes one feeling responsible to correct those who, quote and unquote, sinned? Now, why do I say that Christianity is wrong with its perception of sin? Well, they obviously missed the memo from the Savior clarifying the definition of sin and his bulletin on what has become his signature teaching and paradigm. 
his teaching on living a life of love by possessing a non-judgmental and non-condemning outlook towards others. By the way, what is sin? Let us read what is recorded in 1 John in chapter 3, verse 4, and I read, Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. According to Apostle John, sin is lawlessness. The statement of John made people think that one sins only when he transgresses the law. They are very wrong. And how so? Because sin is already committed even before lawlessness is committed. Therefore, it is not the act of transgression that caused us to sin before God. But that wrongful deed or act is simply a physical and visual manifestation of the sin that was already consummated. Is this really the teaching of the Christ concerning sin? If so, then this teaching of the Savior is truly not understood by most of today's Christianity. Let us hear this from the Savior. How did the Christ Yahshua define sin? And why is it important for all of us to possess this understanding? I will read the statement of the Savior in Matthew 5, verses 27 and 28. You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. One sin that is very well known by many is the sin of adultery. The common perception of adultery is the act of having a sexual relationship with anyone who is not your spouse. But how does the Savior realign the paradigm on adultery as a sin? In a direct statement, not as a parable, take note, but as a direct statement, he said, But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Now wait a minute. That would qualify all men to be adulterers, would it not? And so, what do they do? They push the skip button. Nobody wants to hear that. Instead, they drown the voice of the Christ with a voice in their head, insisting that it cannot be true. It cannot be true to them. That adulterers are only those who do the actual sexual relationship. But what should we understand on the paradigm of the Christ, not just on adultery, but on sin in general? That sin is committed when one perceives an evil or wicked thought. Somewhere down our study, our study, we will explain why. But for now, why is it very important for us to align with the Lord's definition of sin? That sin is achieved in our thoughts even before the deed is done. Well... If I accept as gospel the truth that because of my thoughts, I am already an adulterer and thus a sinner, then would I still look down 
even to those who were caught in the act or even to anyone else and for any other sin for that matter? The logical answer is no. And why not? Because doing so would make me or anyone else a hypocrite. And how bad is it becoming a hypocrite? Well, the only thing that seems to be openly abhorred by the Savior is that of hypocrisy. And this is very well documented. Just read the 23rd chapter of Matthew and find out how disgusted the Savior was with the hypocrisy of the Pharisees, which unfortunately has actually become the baseline of Christianity. And based on the teaching of the Lord Yahshua, those who are judgmental are all hypocrites. Now, is it, is it now obvious why he does not want anyone of his followers to be judging or condemning others? He does not want us to become hypocrites simply because he is so disgusted with them. Now, what proves the validity of our understanding on the Lord's paradigm? Or definition of sin. I will read to you what is recorded in the gospel according to the Apostle Philip. Considered by mainstream Christianity as a Gnostic gospel. And one of the many gospels from the other apostles that was burnt by the Catholic Church in its early days. And I read from the 64th verse. There are some who neither want nor are able to do evil. Others want to but do not but it is what they want that makes them wicked and leads them astray even if they do nothing as recorded in the gospel the savior's teaching is that it is what people want or desire that makes them wicked or sinful even if they were able to stop themselves from committing the actual deed from this viewpoint what can we understand about one sinful act or deeds? That it is not one sinful deed that made one sin. One sinful deed is really just a manifestation of his or her already consummated sin that resulted from one's sinful desire. Many believers will try to discredit this as evangelical truth. For this comes from a Gnostic gospel that is ascribed to the Apostle Philip. However, why do we accept this testimony of Philip on the Lord's teaching? Because it very well aligns with the teaching of the Christ on sin as testified by the other apostles, Matthew and John. Now how then could Christianity miss the evangelical teaching, teaching on sin in the context of the Savior. It is because they are made to be confused by the same New Testament that they adhered to. They base their understanding on the moralist outlook on sin as taught by Paul, the self-proclaimed apostle and writer of most books in the New Testament. In contrast with the Savior, Paul is very vocal in his judgmental outlook. As a matter of fact, Christianity is the hybrid byproduct between the mixture of Paul's judgmental outlook and the Lord's non-judgmental mindset. Is it possible to mix the judgmental with the non-judgmental? 
No, it is not. It would be like expecting to have a perfect fit between two different shapes. For example, a square and a circle. You just can't have a perfect fit between two different shapes. Now, how is Paul vocal with his judgmental outlook? Here's how. Listen to what is recorded in 1 Corinthians. Let's start with chapter 5, verses 1 until 5. And I read, It is actually reported that there, there is sexual immorality among you, and such sexual immorality as is not even named among the Gentiles, that a man has his father's wife, and you are puffed up, and have not rather mourned that he has done this deed might be taken away from among you. For indeed, as absent in body, but pre present in spirit, have already, let me repeat myself, for I indeed, as absent in body, but present in spirit, have already judged as though I were present him who has done so this deed in the manner of our Lord Jesus Christ when you are gathered together along with my spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Paul received a report about some believers who have committed sexual immorality. It may sound very unacceptable because someone is having an affair with his stepmother. Now, how did Paul express his extreme disgust on this man whom he pointed out as a sinner? He said, even though he was not there and thus has not personally witnessed, he declared how he already judged him. In fact, he encouraged them to deliver him to Satan by punishing him through the destruction of his flesh. Friends, do you even have a slight idea what this punishment for the destruction of the flesh that Paul was encouraging the believers? This means reverting to the old law, which is by physical punishment or worse, or worse, punishment by stoning someone to death. The same exact thing that they did to Stephen. Now here are a couple of things that we'd like you to notice here. First, it was just a report. Second, he has not even personally verified the truthfulness of this report. Third, he judged the reported personality even without having to know firsthand the real situation. And fourth, he encouraged physical harm by mob. The old way of punishing the people, which is by death. And to think that he was already preaching about the Christ for many years. Now, how does he contrast with the Lord? The Savior was the exact, exact opposite of Paul. How so? I have already mentioned this above. However, I think it is necessary for us to read the actual narration of this instance in the life of the Savior when he was faced with making a decision to either judge or not judge, and which did he do? In John 8, verses 1 until 15, and I read, 
But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the, in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? This they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest even to the last. And Jesus was left alone. And the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. The Pharisees therefore said to him, You bear witness of yourself. Your witness is not true. Jesus answered and said to them, Even if I bear witness of myself, my witness is true. For I know where I come from, for I know where I came from and where I am going. But you do not know where I come from and where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Here's how the Lord Yahshua con sharply contrasted with Paul. He was there in person. He heard the witnesses in person. The woman was caught in the act. He had the perfect opportunity to show to the world how rigid he is with the old paradigm, which is to judge those who commit such kind of sin. But did he? No, he did not. In fact, he took this as an opportunity to have his message be heard. That a sin is a sin regardless of its form. And most importantly that only one who has not sinned can judge any other sinner regardless of its sin. But why did Christianity end up to be judgmental like the Pharisees in the time of the Christ? Because they end up following the encouragement of Paul instead of the saviors. How did Paul encourage this? Let us read this in verses 11 until 13, still from chapter 5 of 1 Corinthians. And I read, But now I am writing to you that you must not associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or sister that but is sexually immoral or greedy, an idolater or slanderer, a drunkard or swindler. Do not even eat with such people. What business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? 
Are you not to judge those inside? God will judge those outside. Expel the wicked person from among you. Paul made it a permanent imprint or mark within Christianity that it is a necessity to judge the sinners. And yes, Christians were imprinted with this outlook that is anti-Christ. How does this outlook go against the teaching of the Savior? I believe it would be best to hear this from the Savior himself. In the gospel according to Luke, the chapter is 6 in verses 37 until 42. Judge not and you shall, need, you shall not be judged. Condemn not and you shall not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure pressed down, shaken together and running over will be put into your bosom. But for the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. And he spoke a parable to them. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into the ditch? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not perceive the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, brother, let me remove the speck that is in your eye, when you yourself do not see the plank that is in your own eye? Hypocrite! First, remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck that is in your brother's eye. I hope no one who follows this program wants to be judged and be condemned by the Lord. But if you do, go ahead. Judge at will. Condemn as many sinners as you can, that you will also be judged and condemned by God. But to those who'd rather seek forgiveness, here's the good news. Here's the gospel of Yahshua Christos. It's that easy to be forgiven based on the Lord's formula. Go ahead and forgive those who have done you wrong. Christianity chose to become judgmental because they followed Paul. But shouldn't we be following the Savior Yahshua instead? He does not want us to judge and condemn because he does not want us to be judged and be condemned. Being judgmental is a hypocrisy before the Christ. And like what we already mentioned, he absolutely abhorred hypocrisy. Now what is his message in his parable making mention of the blind who leads another blind? He is simply making a joke of any sinner who thinks he can correct a fellow sinner. Let us then stop this madness. Let us all stop this joke. Do you want to follow the Savior? The Son of God named Yahshua? If you do, then follow His teaching and His way alone. Not Paul's judgmental outlook. And when you do, you will become His disciple. A disciple who is perfectly trained to be like him. A disciple who will possess his non-judgmental mindset and his love. Friends, we pray that you will make your decision to be like the Savior and be a perfectly trained disciple with his way. 
the non-judgmental, the non-condemning way of life. And if you are bothered that we are already sinners as a result of our bad thoughts, please don't be. In our next episode, we will share with you how the true disciples gained the status of being non-sinners before God and His Son, the Christ Yeshua. Once again, this is your disciple friend, leaving you the joy and peace of Yeshua, our true Lord and King. Always keep an open mind. A closed mind is an intellectual suicide. Please visit our website, www.spiritualhouse.info. And if you can relate with this message, please help us share the good news of the Lord Yahshua, His non-judgmental mindset. And let us all live His love as true disciples. Until next time. You've just been served the truth of the Savior. Please continue to listen to our show, Ephatha, and let your minds be open to the Lord's message. We also invite you to visit our website at www.spiritualhouse.info and be baptized with the living water of the Lord and King, Yeshua Christos.